Welcome to Secrets from the Universe, the channel podcast for spiritual people seeking guidance and support on their spiritual journeys. I'm Gabrielle Lara, your host and spiritual advisor, and I come alongside my spiritual team, whose name is Lara, and together, Lara and I are so excited to be sharing channeled insights, wisdom, and messages directly from the universe with you. Through this podcast, we'll explore the secrets of healing, manifestation, and up-leveling, and tap into the infinite power of the universe to co-create our dream lives. From practical tools and techniques to magical insights and divine guidance, each episode is designed to help you unlock your full potential and step into your highest self. Whether you're seeking more love, abundance, or fulfillment, this podcast is a safe and empowering place for you to explore your spirituality, connect with your intuition, and take aligned action towards your goals. So get cozy, grab a blanket, and let's dive into the magic of manifestation together. So in today's episode, I want to tell you guys my story. Now, if you've heard me on a podcast before, I usually give a cliff note version, but my goal here is I want to create a safe and comfortable community. That's what I want to do. I'm so sorry about my squeaky chair. I want to create a safe and comfortable community. And I know that I feel safe in people's communities when I hear their story and I hear what they've navigated and I feel more connected to them. So I want to share that with you guys today. And I really want this to feel like you're, I don't know, sitting on the couch. We're sitting down together. You're on my couch or I'm on your couch and we're chatting and I'm telling you my story. Like that is the vibe of all this. So I got my fuzzy blakey. Maybe go get yours. And let's get cracking. Forewarning, this could be a 100-hour episode. Um, I I want to give you guys a whole kit and caboodle. And it's kind of long. And you know what song is freaking stuck in my head? I keep singing that in my head. I need to chill. I wonder, and usually too, when like songs keep coming to me, I'm wondering if it's like a channel... That could be for one of my clients. I don't know, but I need to get out of my brain. Anyway, let's dive in. This is me. This is my story. I am your host, Gabrielle. I am a channeler. I am all the things. And a question I do get asked like all the time is, how did you get into channeling? Or how did you know you were a channeler? And here we go. So we're going to start way back in the day. We're going to throw it all the way back to 1993. I was a little girl. I was born in 1993. I'm recording this on May 1st, so I'm going to be 30 in a few weeks, which is bonkers. And according to my human design, my life gets a lot easier (laughs) after 30. So I'm a manifesting generator. I think my profile, I don't know too much about the terminology, is 6'2". And I think that means that the first 30 years of your life are a little bonkers and then things settle down. So let's cross our fingers. And then I don't know what Enneagram I am. I should probably do that. And that I am a Gemini. So anyone is into astrology or human design, that's my my stuff. But ever since I was a little girl, like I, I, whenever I tell my story, I say this line all the time, but I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I always knew I would own my own business. And so I grew up in a family where I am the third. I have three sisters. We all have vastly different personalities. It's a little chaotic very 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 different personalities uh so i'm the third there and i i was the one that really i'd say just went with the flow i was very happy-go-lucky i hope i still am and i just kind of went with the flow of what everyone said and all my sisters for the most part two of them primarily really knew what they wanted to do with their lives one wanted to really be a nurse and one is like very into the ocean she's actually a scuba diving uh instructor and professor mal just buried into the ocean, wanted to be marine biologist. And people would always ask me, they're like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. I just know that I'm going to own my own business one day. And so people would say, well, what type of business? I was like, I have no idea. And it drove me crazy because I so badly wanted to just jump into entrepreneurship when I was even like freaking 10 years old. I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. Um, and looking back now, I've always been incredibly intuitive in my life. So people ask me as a channeler, like, did you have this since birth or like, when did you discover it? And what I'd like to say is looking back, I can tell that I've done this my entire life, 
I just needed to heal. I needed to heal to make space to receive and translate what is coming down from the universe, if that makes sense. Like so much of what I do is it's translation. The universe doesn't speak to you in whole and complete sentences. They send you like symbols and shit and feelings. You have to put that into human words. So as a kid, I just couldn't piece together the translation part. Like Udall, I didn't know how anyone else's mind worked. I thought this was normal. Not normal, apparently. But that leads me into my other point is I, I just always knew that I was different. Like in school, I didn't fit in didn't fit in. I was friendly with everyone, but I never felt like I fit into a group. I was just different. I don't know how to explain it. Like I would sit in, first of all, with school, Gabrielle, not a straight A student. I did not do so hot in school. I actually really sucked in school. I think I graduated high school with a 2.3 or a 2.7 GPA out of four. Barely got into college, skin of my teeth, freaking barely got in. And I remember being in school and I would sit in class and I'd sit there and I'd be like, can you just teach me how to make money? That's a lot. Like, teach me, teach me how to make money. Because as a young kid, I realized, okay, so the the thing here is you go to school, you get good grades, you get into a good college, you get a good job so that you can make money so that you can live the life that you want. And so I was like, can we just fast forward to the part where you show me how to make money and you teach me what my skill is? And in school, we obviously can't really do that, which makes sense. It's, it's, a, I wanted the personalized approach and I went to public school and that, that's not what you were getting, um, which is fine because that, that's not the purpose of public school, but that's really what I craved as a kid. So I went through school, just kind of bopping and weaving, just getting by, like literally just, just doing what I could to get by. I was like a C minus student. Um, I dreaded bringing my report card home to my parents, freaking dreaded it. And I remember I was in fifth grade. Like, this is wild to remember this in fifth grade. I think I scored the worst. Maybe one kid was below me, but I think I scored the worst at MCAS in my entire class. And I remember my dad just looked at me. He didn't even say anything. And I looked at him in the eyes and I was like, I just need you to trust me. Just trust me. Just, like, just trust me. As if 10-year-old or however old you are in fifth grade. I think you're 10. But I, I literally was like, just trust me. And then... Through middle school and through high school, my grades were awful. And my parents definitely got angry at me, of course, um, at times. So that other times they would, they just didn't know what to say. I had tutoring, I had everything, and it just didn't click. Like it just, it just didn't work. And not, not because I didn't want it to. There were definitely things like, tell me why I need to know Y equals MX plus B. I, I had the worst attitude in math class. <laughs> Don't even get me started where it and it was probably because I had my math teacher tell me that I should never go to college because it would be a waste of my time but I remember just sitting in that class I was like why do I need to know geometry like what the hell am I ever going to do with geometry so I didn't have the best attitude about it but um I don't know I just I I was just ready to get out of there I was ready to get out of there and I was ready to just fly on my own and when you're that young and you have no money, you can't do that. So that was always my that was always my thing. But what I did find throughout school is my best friend in the entire world. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you know I share her sometimes. Uh, her name's Amanda. I call her Tino. We're big nickname people in my family. And I met her in seventh grade. I was forced to play field hockey, and. It was like the dreaded part where people said, where the coach was like, okay, partner up with somebody and everyone had partners. And I was standing there like wanting to cry because I was like shy back then and nobody wanted to be my partner. And I wanted to crawl up in a hole and just cry. And then all of a sudden from across the field, like freaking Baywatch, Amanda minus the bathing suit comes running over. And I looked at her, I was like, do you want to be my partner? And she was like, yeah. And we've been best friends ever since. That was a hundred years ago. And we were both made of honors and our best friend in our, each other's weddings. And she just had a baby. And it's the most beautiful thing. So I, I, I got that throughout school and a lot of other, like I had great teachers. Um, but again, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. So fast forward to high school and graduation. Graduated. That was good. Um, and I got into college by the skin of my teeth. So I went to UNH, University of New Hampshire, but I couldn't get into the four-year school because of my grades. So they had this other school called the Thompson School of Applied Sciences, 
And that's literally the only school I could get into. I didn't get into anything else. So I, I didn't really have any options. I maybe got into like one other school, but this, this was truly my only option. So the program I got into was community leadership. And I had a professor there and his name was Tim and he's an absolute angel sent from the heavens. He's the most amazing man. And he saw my potential. He just, he saw my potential when I couldn't see it because here I am going through school, getting the worst grades, getting in trouble about it, having a teacher tell me that I shouldn't go to college. My confidence was so shot. And yet here I was with this 0.00001% at the time voice telling me, you're going to do something one day. It's going to happen. I'm getting chills right now. It's going to happen for you. You've just got to hang on. And Tim was just such a breath of fresh air. So I joined the community leadership program. I, it was an associate's program, and I was hoping that I, I could at least get my grades up to go to a four-year school. Now, I could give two shits about college degrees. When I start hiring people in my business, I don't even care if you graduate high school. Like, I just want to know your character. That's it. And I'll be able to smell it from a mile away. Like, that, that's just who I am. You're the most interesting people, the most phenomenal people, the smartest people I've met do not have degrees. So if you don't have the degree and you feel bad about it, don't feel bad about it at all. Because I think that's badass. Anyway, so he, Tim, Tim saw my potential and the the class size was like 10 people and I thrive in intimate settings. So I did really well throughout all of my classes. They were intimate. It was a lot of one-on-one time with the teacher, which I needed. And now I realize it was because the teacher was getting to know me and my strength. And that was really, really, really freaking beautiful. So I ended up graduating. Oh my God, which side note, my laptop is on my guest bed. That's like right in front of me. If you see my, if you're watching the video, my foot's like on my bed. And I just looked over and it was 11, 11. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I ended up graduating first in that program, which was great because then I was able to get into a bachelor program, which still makes me roll my eyes a little bit, but I didn't know what to do with my life. Like I, I had no clue what business to start or anything like that. Um, and then on the personal side of things, my freshman year of college, I met through girls who were on the same floor as me, um, this kid who lived in town. He didn't go to the college, but he lived in town and he was in the military. He was a police officer in the military. And we began dating. And I was like gung-ho when I graduated high school. I was like, I'm definitely going to date a cop. I just thought it was really hot. So here we were. I was dating this military policeman. And we were dating for three and a half years. And this is a very um, special part of my story, I can now say. We were dating for three and a half years. And long story short, I find out that he was living a double life where he was dating or in love with, per his words, very heavily involved with um, someone else in the military. And all the overnight shifts that he told me he was going to weren't overnight shifts. Those were um, different or adult overnight shifts, we'll say that. And it was the biggest mind fuck of my entire life. So here I am, I'm in this program. I've, I've graduated from there. I was doing, um, I got into the four year at UNH and was, and was doing that a little bit. I was going like part-time. I don't remember why I was going part-time. Um, and right before I find the news out that he was living a double life, about four or five months before that, I wanted to move to Boston because I was up in Durham, New Hampshire, and there wasn't anything left there for me. I feel like I got everything I needed and the internships were like at Liberty Mutual. And I was like, there's literally just no way. Um, so I wanted to move to Boston and I grew up 30 miles north of Boston. And I, um, so I went in there with my family often, but I didn't know anybody who lived there. And so I actually transferred schools while I was still in a relationship with this person um, to Suffolk University. And we were going to go quote unquote long distance. It was like an hour away and all that stuff. Um, and I started that semester in September and I found out about this double life in November, but the double life started March prior to that. And it shook me to my core. It shook me to my freaking core. It was just the biggest mindfuck because I'm not an oblivious person. I am not an oblivious person. And 
there was just it was just a lot and it was his best friend who sat me down and told me and was and I didn't even really know him that well he just sat me down and was like listen you were just too good of a person to like have this happen to and I can't sit back and watch it anymore like here's what's going on and I in that moment lost all trust in myself I got so angry at myself and at this point I was just so angry at myself. I was like, how could I have ever let this happen to me? And then, wow, the world is really scary. And I was very lucky. I grew up in an upper middle class family. My parents are still married after, I think it's it'll be 32 years in October. Um, and so I didn't have any like crazy trauma happen to me in my, in, my, in my childhood at all, thankfully. And this was the biggest thing that just really shook me down to my core where I was like, people are evil. And it was him, it was the woman, it was a few other people involved. And I was like, this, this is insane. And a few months actually before I found out, I want to include this in here because it's important. I, it was summertime and I was up visiting him and I slept over and the next morning I was heading home and I would go outside and in his driveway, my whole tire was flat. And I didn't know much about cars then. So I just figured like, oh, it was fine. And I asked him and I said, my tire's flat. Like, what what should I do? And in my gut, let me tell you this, in my gut, it was call your father, call your father. But instead he was like, oh, you're fine. Which again, I didn't know much about cars. I bet I, I was like, okay, well, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, even though in my gut, I was like, call your father and have him come pick you up. He was like, oh, I'll just take you down to the gas station, fill it up and then you'll be fine. All right, so I trusted that. I trusted him over myself and my gut, and my conscious mind was like, "You're fine as well." So I get on the highway, and I'm driving, and I'm about six exits up from my parents' exit. I probably made it about forty-five minutes down ninety-five, and I just hung up the phone with my best friend. That was before Bluetooth. Probably shouldn't have been on the phone talking to her, but um, my car. I look at the speedometer and all of a sudden the speedometer flies up, like flies up. I was going like 72 and it just like flew up, like just, and I was like, whoa, that was weird. And I thought the car was just, before I could even put two and two together of what was going on, um, I fishtail. So I spun out 180 degrees towards the right, came back to the center, spun out 180 degrees towards the left with cars flying all around me. And then... I remember this so clearly. There was a, I was in the third lane and there was a car in the fourth lane and he buzzed right past me. I mean, he had to have been going 95 miles an hour. And if this was one second after, for before, I, I truly think I would have been toast. So then I come back around, I'm still fishtailing and people have pulled over to let me figure out what's going on here. I'm up on two tires and I fly into the median and I'm about one foot, maybe less than that to going into oncoming traffic and my car stopped. And the nicest man in the world, and I wish I got his name and I wish I could hug him every single day because he was just another angel sit down from the freaking heavens, pulled over and he just got me out of my car. I was like, and I didn't have scratch, I didn't have a bruise. I was just in utter shock. He pulled me out of the car and he just, he like held me. He just hugged me and his wife was right there. They were just the nicest human beings in the entire world, hugged me. And he was like, you're okay. And then he flagged down an ambulance that was actually going the other way. And then I just like, I blacked out. And then a cop came and he kept being like, you hit a deer. I'm like, where the fuck's the deer? Show me the deer. What deer, dude? My, my tire blew. It was it was crazy. He was, oh my God, I, I remember him too. It was wild. And I don't even know what happened from there. But all I remember is I couldn't drive for like another year. I would just go into absolute panic sweats and so this accident tied with the double life thing a few years later I had no trust in myself I hated myself and this is in my early 20s I hated myself I had no respect for myself I didn't trust myself and yet I still had this voice inside of me the, the quietest it's ever freaking been was like this will all make sense i certainly didn't hear it then but i remember it being there and so 
Uh, my first semester at Suffolk, I was living with my parents. So my parents live, like, like I said, 30 miles from Boston. And so I was just commuting in because I didn't know anyone. And I was in a relationship. I didn't want to be too far. I wanted to be able to see him and stuff. And then when that relationship ended, I remember on a whim, I applied for housing. Now, mind you, everyone I graduated high school with was graduating college that year, but I was very far behind. So I already felt out of sorts after going through school and feeling so different in itself. Um, I applied to housing and they got back to me and they said, the only option available is for you to live in an apartment on campus with seven other girls and you would be in a triple bedroom. And I said, hell no, hell no. To the no, 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 hell to the no. I grew up with three sisters. That was that was enough in itself. And I was like, there is no freaking way in hell I'm doing that. Zero percent chance. And I went over to uh, my neighbor's house and the, their mom is like a second mom to me. We're incredibly close. And she was like, oh, you're doing it. And I was just like, no, I'm not. She's like, you're doing it. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, I have no idea why, but I'm doing this. So I got accepted, I moved in, and I was so scared. Like, my stomach was in knots. I was just like, I don't know what to expect, but I guess this does feel good. Like, once I could pull my head out of my ass, I was like, this this does feel kind of good. So I moved on to campus, and I became incredibly close with all the women. All the women. It was the best time of my entire life. And three nights in, I met a woman who was actually in one of my classes, but lived down the street. And her name was Yolanda. And she came over for a wine night. And it was with a couple of my roommates. We're all getting to know each other. And they said, they were like, do you have a Tinder? Like, let's swipe. And I said, no. This was like 10 years ago. This was a long time ago. I think I was 21, 20, 22. And I'm about to be 30. So it was a while ago. And I was like, absolutely not. I will never date again. I am not going through that type of hurt ever, ever, ever again. And then I had three glasses of wine and then they made me a Tinder. And we started swiping and Eric was my third match. And he messaged me and he said, good morning. And it was like 8.30 at night, maybe a little later. And it was funny because my dad always says that at night. I have no idea why, but I was just like, oh, that's weird. And the other two matches, they like literally just wanted to have sex. It was like, it like, wasn't even fun to talk to them. They were just like, right to the chase. And so then I talked to Eric that night and then I sobered up in the morning and I was like, no, like I'm not, I just absolutely not. And he continued to talk to me and text me for two weeks. And he was so slick in how he got my number. I remember him being like, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, it's easier to text like outside of the app. So is it okay if I text you? And I drunkenly gave him my number. And then we just, we were just started texting. Um, and again, I tried to avoid it. And eventually after like two weeks, he's like, can I please take you out on a date? And I was like, no, you can't. And then he was very persistent. I was like, please, let me take you on a date. So I reluctantly agreed. And I, to this day, have never been so nervous in my life meeting a man who I was convinced was either a serial killer or was catfishing me. And there's a, re- um, uh, a release, funny enough. I had never been more nervous in my entire life, ever, 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 ever. And my stomach was a knot, so I didn't even like have a glass of wine before or anything. I was just an absolute train wreck. Um, but I put one foot in front of the other and I trusted that voice inside of me that said, just keep going, just go, just do it. And I went out and I met him. And I remember looking at him and being like, you are so much freaking hotter in person. And I did not talk two words that entire night. He talked to me the entire night. I did not know how to respond because I was like paralyzed. And then I like to say we've been together ever since where he says that we officially got together a few months later, but we've been together ever since. Uh, we just got married on September 24th of 2022, and it was a bonkers journey. It was a bonkers journey because at this point, I am so fragile. I did not grieve that past relationship. I did not grieve the hurt. I did not honor the hurt. I did not explore the hurt. I I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of confusion towards myself, and I did not like myself. So Eric went to school in Syracuse, New York, and he had a lot of friends who lived in New York. So a couple weekends out of the quarter, he'd go up to New York. I didn't sleep those entire weekends. I would be up. I'd be checking everyone's social media, and I was convinced that he was cheating on me. It was so unhealthy for me, for him, for us. It was awful. And this poor guy is just trying to go up there and have a good time. 
I was trying to find everything. And then I would start fights. I was just so insecure. I was so self-conscious and I was so terrified of letting my guard down. I was so scared of my ability to protect myself. I didn't think that I was able to protect myself. And I really, really liked this guy. So I knew if I wanted this relationship to continue, which there were a lot of times I did it. There were a lot of times where I was like, I can't do this. I need to get out of this. Never did it. But I started therapy, which was incredible. And I started with my therapist, Pam, who I'm still with. Shout out Pam. She's the best freaking lady in the world. She's helped me so much. I love her. I love her. I love her. And I started working through everything. I started working through everything. Everything. I had no closure from that prior relationship. I never got an explanation why. I never got an apology. It was like, you just see this person one day and then you never see them again. And they tear your heart out and just throw it on the ground. And so I was able to really bandage that up in therapy. And it was trippy being in another relationship too. Uh, But we made it through. And so during that time, I graduated college and I ended up doing it within five years from start to finish, like the two-year program up until the four-year program uh, within five years. And then I got a job and I did not want to get a job at all. I wanted to make money. I was, I, I always, I've, I've always been hungry like that, really, really wanted to make money, dreaded working for somebody else, dreaded it, absolutely hated it. But again, what business are you to start? I have no idea. I could not think of it for the life of me. And I had no cop, like my confidence was shot, everything. I was so insecure. Um, So I made a connection and ended up getting a job at a local magazine in Boston. If you're from Boston, I used to work at Improper Bostonian. Uh, they went out of business a few years ago, but I worked there for a while. Um, and I started out as the receptionist because that was like the only thing that I could really get. And I remember I started out making 30 grand a year and living in Boston. I was living in the North End at the time. It's one of the most expensive places besides like New York and California to live. I had student loans, I had groceries, I had a personal life, all the things. And I was making 30 grand a year. I think I got, oh, I wish I saved one of my pay stubs. I believe it was $931 every two weeks. And you had to be in that office by 8.30. And if you even freaking thought of leaving before 5.30, like it just don't, don't. I remember I was 22 or 23 minutes in on that first day sitting at that computer. And I was like, there is no way in hell I am doing this for the rest of my life. No shot, none, 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 no way. And so I stayed in the receptionist role for a few months. And then I eventually segued into a sales role where I was selling ad space in the magazine as an account executive. And I liked that in the beginning because I got to build relationships with like small business owners in Boston. And then as I built relationships with them and saved the magazine, I just, I was never in love with the product, but like I really fell out of love with it. And I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable like selling this to people like this magazine, like I just like social media is big right now. Like this just, I'm not behind this anymore. Um, And during that time, Eric actually moved to New York. So Eric is a neurophysiologist. So he works in the medical field. He works in the operating room on like brain and spine surgeries and all this crazy stuff, which means that his non-competes are incredibly strict and intense. So if he wanted to switch companies, which at this time he did, he had to be within like a 300 mile radius of any surgeon he's ever worked with and or stop working for 12 months. So the option was for him to move to New York. And if he was 150 miles, something like that, I don't know. But uh, the closest that he could be to work to home and pull us off was New York. So he moved up to Beacon, New York in... Oh my God, I don't remember. But I remember we did long distance Boston to New York for nine months and... That sucked. I could, I'd give people who do long distance so much credit. I just, I'm not for us. Um, I saw him like once a month when before I was seeing him like every day and it was just, it was just a lot. So he moves up to Beacon and I was staying at the magazine at this point because I had a lot of commission tied up until the end of the year and I was still into it. It wasn't until the last like two or three months where I was like, okay, I'm out of here. Um, and so 
Once those December rolled around, I ended up getting a job in New York and I was 24 at this point. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to move in with Eric. We've been together two or to three years and I was ready. So I got a job in Manhattan. And the problem was Eric lived in Beacon because he had to be close to the hospitals up there. He has to be within an hour to all hospitals he works at when he's on call. Um, and so my commute to work ended up being five hours a day door to door round trip. And I, the job I got up there, I was working for a tech startup. I was doing tech sales and it was fun. I worked with some great people. I learned a lot. And then again, just after a few months, it was very much like, I really, really, really want to figure out my own thing. Like I am ready. I want to own my own business. I hate working for other people. Asking for time off as an adult makes me want to barf. Like I'm just, I'm not good at this. I'm not a good employee. I'm not. I'm just, I will say that right now. I am not a good employee. I've been fired in my day. I'm not a good employee. I'm not good at that stuff. It is not my strong suit and I don't ever want it to be my strong suit. So, sorry, she care if we can shoot. Um, I was working, doing all that, commuting five hours a day and I was so depressed. And I didn't realize it was depression until now that I'm out of it. And I look back and I was like, I was just so sad. I had no time to myself. I would leave the house by 6.30 and I'd get home between 8 and 8.30 every single day for the first four months. And then they let me work from home one day a week. And at that time, we had just gotten a puppy, Jax, who's literally my soul dog. Like that is my soul dog, 100%. I missed his whole puppyhood. I missed it all. Like I just, I wasn't around. I was miserable. I had no time for myself. And I dreaded it. After a few months, I absolutely dreaded it. Where I would sit on the train and I would listen to every single entrepreneurial podcast I could possibly find. And I absorbed so much content because I was so desperate for somebody to help me figure out what the heck it was that I was good at that I could turn into a business. I was desperate for that. I would have paid any amount of money and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um. And so I did, I lived like that for 18 months. I had gained weight. My skin was horrible. My eating was horrible. My face was so puffy. I was just so unhappy and my relationship was not good. I was a bear, an absolute bear. And Eric was only working. He only had surgeries like two or three days a week. And so he had a lot of free time. And man, that's wild. I remember that. Even thinking back to that, I like get a stomach ache. But after those 18 months, Eric got a job opportunity out in New Mexico. And when we had first met, I remember one of our first few nights together, we both said, I don't know what it is, but I just want to explore more of the U.S. before I settle down. And we both wanted that, which was really cool. We did talk about it for a few years, but like we both just had that, that desire. And so he got this opportunity for New Mexico and I, both of us just had a lot of judgment then. I really worked through a lot of judgment that I had. Um, but me, especially, I was like, New Mexico. I don't know a single person, honestly, to this day, around here, because all we knew was the Northeast, that has ever, ever, ever been to New Mexico. And then you Google it, you Google Albuquerque, and it comes up as not the safest place and all this. And I was like, hell no, absolutely no. And he was very much into it. So, of course, we had a huge fight. And eventually him always being the voice of reason, I was like, oh, wait, this could actually be really cool. And I was terrified because I was like, what if my job doesn't let me go remote? Like, what am I supposed to do then? There's nothing there for me. And I already moved up here for you and did this huge commute. Like, it was this whole thing. But long story short, the company I was working for let me go remote and we moved to New Mexico. And it was the best thing, the best thing we have ever done in our lives to date. It was the best thing, but besides adopting our animals, it was the best thing. I would do that again and I'm Billy, I would do that again in a heartbeat. Like we actually talk all the time about going back to New Mexico because it's just our favorite place in the entire world. It was the best adventure of our life. And it was exactly what both of our souls needed. And especially mine, more so mine in that moment, because I was able to get out of that hellish routine and actually have time for myself. Right. Like I even remember being in New York and it would be Friday and I'd get home a little earlier that day, like 730. And then I'd go to bed and wake up and then Saturday, I would just start having the worst anxiety about the upcoming week. Worst anxiety, especially being in sales, like for a place that you don't really like anymore. Uh, but we're in New Mexico. And I, again, I was going so deep in entrepreneurial content, just like, I'm ready for this. This is happening. I'm ready. 
and then I bought a course. And the first course that I ever bought, and it was like $2,000, I believe, maybe a little bit more. It was from Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins, and it was called KBB. I don't know what it was, but I just saw their ads for it. I watched their masterclass, and something in me was like, do it. Buy this course. I've never invested that much in my life ever at that point. I was like, oh, my God. So without, without it, I, I just did it. I did it. And after I purchased that course, I remember I like had my hand on my heart and I had no belief really in a higher power. We weren't religious. And I guess I, I was curious about something in there, but I certainly was not spiritual at all. And I remember saying, I was like, universe, I literally never talked to the universe before this blew out of my mouth. At the time, I was like, universe, I'm ready to step into this. And it was January. And I said to Eric, I said, June 1st, 2020, I'm going to quit my job. I don't care if my business isn't up then, but like, I'm going to quit and give myself time to do this. And he, Eric is just the best where he was like, you do whatever you want. As long as you are happy, that's that. And at that time, like our finances were separate. We weren't engaged or anything. We we're just doing our own things. And he was wildly supportive. But the universe answered me a lot sooner than that. April 5th, 2020, I got laid off because of COVID. And I remember that morning I cried because I'd been rejected. And I was very insecure at the time. And I felt like I wasn't wanted and that didn't feel good. And then that afternoon I was so, I was like, thank God. Thank you, thank you, thank you that I'm out of that. I'm finally free and I don't know what it takes, but I'm going to figure it out. And I just got so resourceful. I was like, this is it. This is happening. I'm figure out. I'm doing it. And Eric was like, you know what? We're fine. Don't worry. Like I just talked to my job that day and they assured him that he was fine in his position, being in the medical field, all the things. 48 hours later, he loses his job. He loses his job. And it actually wasn't a COVID related thing. It was two companies that that he used to work for he just happened to be a part of like this lawsuit that they were going through it wasn't about him it was like this huge company thing but him and a couple other employees just like had to be let go for a couple months as a result and so he couldn't go back to work for I think nine months and so here we were both off of jobs and I remember looking at him because he was really shaken up which I would be too if my job just told me I'm good and then 48 hours later I'm laid off I'd shit myself as well and I remember looking at him and I was like, you will never have to go back to your job again because I've, I've got it. I've got it. We're good. We're good. I'm starting my business and we've got it. And I started my business that week. And let me freaking tell you, I didn't have it. <laughs> it didn't happen. I started my business. I launched my website. I had sales pages. I was selling one-on-one -on -one sessions with me for $75. I don't even know what it was that I was coaching. I was literally just coaching. I was being really motivating and inspiring and putting myself out there. I had no clue what I'd actually help people with, but I just trusted that I would figure it out as I went. So um, egg in my face, I didn't make a single dollar for six months. <laughs> Kickstart my healing journey, baby. Kickstart about there it was. She was introduced into the world right then. Every single wound that I had ever accumulated in my lifetime came up to the surface at this point. You're unworthy. You're a piece of shit. You're not enough. Nobody wants you. That voice inside of your head was always lying to you. You are, you're screwed. That's how I talked to myself for so long. For so long, that is how I talked to myself. So I kept going. I literally just had my head down and I kept going. And I was like, it was this constant battle in my head of this negative voice that took up 99.9% .9 of my brain and that 0.1% that was like, just like literally, you will figure it out. You waited your whole life for this moment. Yes, they told you that you weren't smart in school. You're really freaking smart though and you can do this. It was this constant battle. And at the same time in my personal life, we were having a freaking ball. We went on the most epic road trip. We went from New Mexico to Colorado to Utah to Idaho to Wyoming to Montana and back down. But like we just traveled around. We had we had the best time. And so 
um, the end of our lease rolls around and we were only meant to be out in New Mexico for a year. Eric's job was up in the air. I was up in the air. And we wanted to buy a house back in New England. We're from Massachusetts, both of us. Um, and our plan was to go back there and settle down and like buy a house. We were naive human beings and thinking that we could get a mortgage when neither of us had jobs, which makes me laugh because my parents own a mortgage company. Um, and they were both like, uh, no. <laughs> um, but we had this mindset of like, okay, like now we'll go buy a house. So in our minds then, we're like, well, we don't want to buy a house that we haven't seen yet. So why don't we go back and live with Eric's mom, who was nice enough to take us in and our three animals while she already had another son living at home and his animals uh, and her partner. So um, we were like, okay, well, we will live there for just a couple weeks and then we'll be out and we'll buy our own house. I don't know if anybody else tried to buy a house around then. This was September 2021. September 2020. I'm sorry. September 2020. Um, if you didn't have a million dollars in cash around here in Massachusetts, New England area, you weren't getting the house. Everybody was out beating you in cash. It was crazy. So we moved in with Eric's mom and um, we moved into her old living room. And we got doors put on, everything, and it was attached to this porch. And we went from always having our own houses or apartments, our own kitchen, our own bathrooms, everything, to now sharing all of that. And it just seemed in that moment, like, my life specifically just flipped the fuck upside down. Flipped upside down. I didn't realize how much I valued my privacy, how much I liked having my own bathroom, how much I liked having my own kitchen, all of that. And here I am just like, what is going on? And I have the best in-laws. Eric's brothers are my brother-in-laws are the best. My mother-in-law, I couldn't have asked for a better mother-in-law. They're phenomenal. And yet I was still like, oh my goodness, what is happening? So six weeks after we move in, and then again, we thought we'd be out in six weeks. We ended up being there for 13 months. Six weeks in, my two dogs who loved each other more than anything in the world, who I love more than anything in the world, began fighting. I have two pit bulls. That's scary as hell. And luckily, this is how I knew it wasn't like, a, I don't want to say a massive deal because it really was a massive deal. But this is how I knew that this was for a bigger purpose, I should say. Neither of them ever hurt each other. A couple blood scrapes every now and again, but they got into four big fights. They Neither of them ever hurt each other. They're huge. They could have easily killed each other if, if it was like really that bad. So October 2020 rolls around and... I was introduced to an animal communicator, an animal channeler, uh, a few months before that. I really, really liked her. And so I reached out to her at a, like an SOS email and was like, help. My dogs who loved each other, they're now like they just got in the gnarliest fight. Eric was in New York. I was here at his family's house, splitting it up by myself, crying. I was so embarrassed. I was like, this is just insane. This is, it was crazy. And so we got on the phone. And she said to me, she was like, your soul is ascending. And I said, where am I going? What does that even mean? I wasn't spiritual at all then, guys. I had no clue what that word meant. Honestly, I still don't really know what that means. But <laughs> I was like, what the actual fuck did you just say? What does that mean? Like, so why are my dogs killing each other? Because my soul is ascending. Where am I going? And she explained it to me. My dogs have been such a mirror for my healing. They, I am a good leader now because of them, because I have two alpha dogs that I have to lead. They have taught me so much, so much more than I've ever learned in school about running my business. Boundaries, confidence. Oof. Oh my gosh. So anyways, I have this conversation and she's essentially like, you're going through a spiritual awakening. Like it's it's really not your dogs. It's it's you. They're showing, they're being a mirror for you right now. And so the spiritual awakening started. It was probably the darkest time of my entire life. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know who to ask for help. I'm here in this, my mother-in-law's old living room by myself, 
Eric at the time was like working in New York back and forth. It was just this whole thing. And I had no money. My, my business, my business was still going. I had like maybe one or two clients then. I was stripped of everything. Before that, I had a beautiful salary in Manhattan. I had, I was making great money. I, I like so much of my brain honestly is like blacked it out. It was just a very low point in my life where I was just deeply encouraged to do so much healing. So every single possible thing that you could think of, I was encouraged, forced to heal. And I just cried constantly because I was like, I'm being punished. I'm being punished. And yet I was just in such a victim mode. And at that time, Eric had a solid W-2, all that. We were applying for houses. We were going to open houses, all the things for 13 months. We had 10 denials, 10 denials over the course of 13 months. I'm healing. I'm trying to figure it out. I got a couple more clients. Things were happening. I was like, oh my goodness. And I was just trying to keep my head above water, my head above water after months and months of months and just like no income, nothing. Like I'm just trying to keep my head above. And eventually, August 2021, we were just like, let's go back out to New Mexico for a week. And Eric's family was actually supposed to visit us out there, but because of COVID, they couldn't get out there. So we planned a vacation with his family out there. Little did I know I was about to get proposed to. But right before, 48 hours before we left, Eric was on Facebook and he saw an acquaintance that he knew from high school was selling his house in Rhode Island. And it was a town that we've put a couple applications in for houses before, but we got outbid every single time. And he reached out to the person was like, hey, is is your house still up? And he said, yeah, like, why don't you come by and, and come check it out? So we did. And what I couldn't figure out was like, why is this still in the market when all of the houses around here were getting scooped up? They were going for 200 grand over asking price, like bonkers. I was like, why is it still available? He's like, I don't know. People have been in and out. We just haven't gotten any offers. And now we know the house waiting for us. But um, we put in an offer that night. We got accepted. And I, I like couldn't even breathe. I was just like, it felt such a sense of relief after I, I, I just, I can't put it into words, but I felt, sorry, oh, squeakiness again. Um, and so then we hop on a plane and then I get proposed to like that week. And I was just like, everything's burning around. What's going on? Crazy. Um, and then about four weeks later, we moved into our house and it was just the most beautiful thing ever. And I just felt there was a big release. Woo. Um, I what I didn't realize was I was about to embark on the the real depths of my healing journey. Then everything before was very surface level, even though I thought it was really deep, and I was cracking deep into my soul. And I know that the universe really lined this up for me to be able to have privacy to really get deep down into the soul piece of it. So during that time, I began seeing angel numbers. And then I was curious about spirituality at that point because I heard I was going through a damn spiritual awakening, so I didn't really have a choice but to research it. And um, I was seeing angel numbers. I was getting curious about it. And I just felt so peaceful being in my own place. And we have our own yard, our own fence. I love being outside. It was really, really beautiful. And the deep journey started. The deep, the depth. I'm talking about worthiness. I'm talking about nervous system healing all of that. And I was still just barely skating by. I would have a client every now and again who would pay me like 4500 in full, and then I wouldn't have a client again for four months. Things like that. Um, so I was just barely skating by, and I was so sick of just getting by every single month. And people say to me, they're like, why didn't you get a job? And it was because I, 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 every time that I even thought about it, I had so much resistance that it wasn't, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I, I was getting by and with a little help from credit cards and stuff, but I was, I was, I was doing it. I was figuring it out. And I just somehow each month always barely made it by. And at that point, Eric and I weren't married. Our, our stuff was still separate. Um, and I didn't know how to ask for help. One of the biggest things I healed was I didn't know how to ask for financial help. And I had to learn that lesson. I had to learn that lesson. Like there, I, I needed help from Eric at one point. And Asking that, even though he's the most understanding person ever, it was my own pride. My own pride where I was like, 
I want to be the one supporting him. And here I am having to ask him for money. Oh my gosh. And again, this was before where we were married. Once we're married, we combine everything. Um, but man, I, it was those lessons, those deep, deep, deep freaking lessons. And I've really, really, really had to heal my relationship with money. My worth was tied up in how much money I was making. I was making no money. So I wasn't worthy. I didn't feel like I was enough, right? All of those thoughts that I told myself my whole life, now they were put on the table. And I had to look them square in the face and love them and release them. And that shit took a lot of time. A lot, a lot, a lot of time. So um, it is May 2022 at this point. And I, my mentor is Hannah Nieves. She's, I've been with her since September 2020, doing like intensives with her, joining her programs. And in May 2022, she had a program for her Thrive Mastermind. And I remember a year prior, I told her, I was like, I will be in that mastermind. Just wait, like, I'll be in that. I will 100% be in that. And so I went to the event. And I think that year, up to date there, I probably made like $25,000 in my business. Like I had like, maybe not even that much from January up until like the end of May. And just literally skating by. So I'm sitting front row at that event. And it's there talking about the Thrive Mastermind. And... I got the worst imposter syndrome of my life. And I wouldn't really get imposter syndrome often. It was more of like me just like not feeling good enough and stuff, not so much me ever feeling like a fraud. But in that, sitting in that front row, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I sitting here? I'm a bum. Look at me. I have nothing. I, I have I have no money, right? Because at the time I compared everything to having money, which I, I do not align with now. But then I did, just being straight up, then I did for myself. I just got chills. I was like, I'm just like, I am taking this seat from somebody else. I need to get out of here. I almost up and left in the middle of somebody's conversation, presentation, I should say. And then all of a sudden, this energy just kicked inside of me that was like, you're going to be on that couch one day. You're going to be on that freaking couch. And I'm, I, I stayed. I stayed and I listened and I engaged and I had a great time. And on my way back, I said, Show me a sign. I forget what it was. Show me this if I'm meant to be in that Thrive Mastermind. And my, oh my God, I had so many releases here. Or show me this if I'm not meant to be in it. And within two seconds, I saw the sign to go in there to join the Mastermind. And I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? How am I going to afford this? Oh my God, like, what am I doing? But something in me was like, join that freaking Mastermind. So I did. If there is anything that I will ever bet on in my life, it is myself. I, through my healing journey, I have built such a relationship with myself where I will bet on myself any day of the week with my eyes closed now. Any day of the week with my eyes closed. And this example of joining Thrive really, really showed me that. So let's get into that. I told Anna, I said, all right, I'm in. And I put my down payment on a freaking credit card and I joined. And now I can see why. I have built such a close relationship with Hannah. I have built such a close relationship with the financial uh, advisor in there, Caitlin, and uh, another friend of ours, Haley. Caitlin has referred so much business to me and has filled out my six-month program. And now Hannah, Caitlin, and I, and Haley are going in on a Thrive 2.0, which is like the next level of the Thrive Mastermind, and I'm in there as an advisor. And back in May, when I had that bad visit, bad bitch energy for a second, where I said, I'm going to be sitting there on that couch one day. This year, in, in about 10 days now, I'm going to be sitting on that couch. One year later, I'm going to be sitting on that couch helping people through. The pivot happened for me. It happened. It happened. It happened. It happened. And I'm just, I, I am so, I'm so glad. But before I get into the pivot, I got excited there. Before I get to the pivot, there's more that happened there that summer, which is how I stepped into channeling, which is real freaking important, okay? So um, in July of that year, uh, Hannah had a little celebration for a couple people who've been in her programs who were joining Thrive, and I joined. And we're up in New York for the weekend, and she introduced me to her friend, Katie. And Katie is a channeler as well. She's a psychic medium. And I just connected with her. We... Uh, 
we just had a great time. We went to a winery. We did all these fun things. And then I signed up for a reading with her. It was really fun. And then a few weeks later, I had her on my podcast. And this was another podcast at, at the time that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and she told her story. And at the time, I was having this thing where I would talk to people and I would get two or three downloads that I would either have to tell the person or would have to write down. And it would just be so incredibly distracting that I couldn't focus on what they were saying unless those words got out of my mouth through speaking them or through writing. So um, I'm interviewing Katie. She's telling her story. And then we stop recording. And I say to her, I was like, you know, I, this is so weird, but I've been having this thing where like I'm getting these downloads, everything I just said. And I was like, could I please share these like things that came through for you? And she was like, oh, absolutely. So I shared what came through. I had no clue I was channeling that, by the way. I just thought that this was like what normal people do. I shared that and she's like, wow, that really, really resonated. Thank you. And she's like, okay, well, I have a gift for you. Can I share that? And I said, absolutely. And she said, you know, you're a channeler, right? I almost fell out of my chair. I was in this exact chair that I'm sitting in now. I almost felt, I was like, is that what this is? And she was like, yeah. You, you are a channeler. So then I called my best friend, Tino. Her and I like would go to sidekicks. We really liked this stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And she was like, do you know what you did? And I was like, no, what did I do? She's like, you healed enough to allow this gift to come through. I'll never forget her saying that because it made so much sense in that moment of why I navigated a two and a half year healing journey, guys. Two and a half years. I got a million no's. And about 25 yeses and a million no's over the two and a half years. Months and months of and months of no money. Throwing things on credit cards, hoping for the best, and just trying being in the negative, being in the red, checks bouncing, all of that. For years. And now it was making sense. And I was just like, oh my God. So I sat with that for a few weeks. And then with the Thrive Mastermind, there was a retreat that was coming up in New York. And that retreat was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I was getting married that Saturday. So everyone thought I was nuts, but I went to the retreat. I was like, yeah, this is, this is fun. Let's go to the retreat. So I went to that. And I said to the girls, I was like, listen, I think that I can channel. Should I practice on anyone? And three or four people stepped forward. And man, oh man, it happened. I'm connecting to babies. I am connecting to freaking grandfathers. I'm connecting to everyone and everything. And I was just like, whoa. And they were like, whoa. Like I'm saying names of people that like I just would have never known the name. It, it was it was bonkers. And their jaws were on the floor. My jaw was on the floor. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is happening. Um, and so then. I pivoted my business. I was a niche expert where what I was doing is I was helping people figure out the uniqueness that they brought to the table that they could turn into a business, which if you remember back in New York on the train, that's exactly what I wanted somebody to do for me, but I couldn't find. So I was that person that I needed back then. And then I pivoted and transitioned out of it. And it was Black Friday was rolling around because I got married. We went on our honeymoon in Hawaii and uh, I just soaked everything in. And then there were a few weeks went by, Black Friday came about, and I did a Black Friday offering of 15 spots and I did $97 channel readings at this point. So I, was, I wanted to get more comfortable and I felt pretty comfortable offering that. They sold out right away. I have never, I had never at that point had anything that sold out. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is happening. This is it. This is happening. This is it. What? I'm so excited. So I did the readings with people and I, it was so powerful. I, I, I felt awesome. They seemed to feel awesome. And I was reading soul contracts. I was providing people closure. It was the most rewarding thing I could have ever possibly thought of. And the beautiful thing is, I never knew this was on the other side of my healing journey. I never knew that. I would go through that healing journey a billion more times to experience this again. It was the most beautiful thing I could have ever, 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 ever. Oof, there was release. Like, not imagine. I had no idea this was a thing. And this is why I trust the universe so much now, because I don't need to know what is on the other side. I just got to follow my cues and trust them. Because I did. Even on the times where I really wanted to give up, Eric was the one 
who trusted me more than I trusted myself. And he picked me up off the ground and was like, no, we're still going. Because he trusted that voice, even though he's not spiritual. I think he is a little bit. He trusted that voice when I couldn't hear it. I hear, I could hear it through his words. And he knew when to tell me. And so that's why I just trust the universe so damn much now. And I hope you all do too, because there's so much beauty on the other side. So anyways, then December rolls around and... I wanted to put together this six-month program, and I was like, I'm charging $15,000 for this because these people have access to a higher realm for six months, and I know I can help people heal, and I was doing that with clients already. I ran a mini mine that went really well, like all of these things. In December, I had, didn't have a sales page, didn't have any of that. I had two people sign up for that, that three-month, the, uh, the six-month program, and one person pay in full. And I learned, just looked at Erica, I was like, it happened. We're done. I did it. It's 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 done. It's done. I turned the corner. It happened. It finally happened, Eric. After almost three years, it finally freaking happened. And I was just like sobbing. I was like, I did it. I did it. I did it. And of course, in Eric fashion, he's like, let's uh, calm down. Like, let's. He wasn't. He was honoring my emotions, and he was he was like going with it. But he was like, let's just take one step at a time here. Okay, let's just take one step at a time. He's very logical, uh, which is good because I'm not very logical. So we balance each other out. And I was like, well, and then, and then from there, I just continued to sign people in it. I created intensives, sold all those out. And I was like, oh, this is all I've ever wanted. All I've ever wanted was to help people. And it's so interesting because back in the day, I was like, when I have money, I'm getting a rage rover. I want everyone to think I'm rich. I healed so much of that. I could give a shit about the money anymore. I trust that it's all there. I know it's all there. I want to help you. I want to help every single one of you, every single one of you get to the other side, manifest. I have learned so much about manifesting through channeling that I want to share all of those secrets with you, which is why this podcast is called Secrets from the Universe. I want to be able to share my wisdom and my knowledge of, of the direct communication that I received to help all of you. Because how beautiful would life be if we all won? That is how I feel now. How beautiful would life be if every single one of us won? I want to help you win. That is the purpose of this podcast. That is my sole mission. I want to help you win. That's it. That's all of it. And I can't freaking wait. And so to just kind of close off of this pivot here, uh, in the, in the, first episode of introducing this podcast i told you guys about laura laura has been the latest revelation and that was just a few weeks ago and so now i'm really learning how to communicate with laura and let laura speak through me and her wisdom and this is it this is it it's happening the pivot has happened and your pivot will too i want to be here for your pivot i want to guide you through your pivot and i really hope me sharing this story helps you feel more connected to me helps show you that i'm a human too just like you we're all souls having human experiences navigating through the, the human and i can definitely talk in more depth of like my exact healing journey i'm shedding ego of shedding all those things healing my relationship with money um there was so much there there was so much there and i want to take what i've learned and share that with you and more importantly i want to be able to communicate I want Laura to be able to communicate through me to teach you how to heal, to teach you how to find that balance in your life, to teach you where and how to find happiness, to manifest whatever you want, to believe in yourself. That's what this is. That is what this is. That is this is this is a safe space for all of that. I appreciate you guys so much for listening to this. If you have any store at any questions at all about my story, please, 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 please don't hesitate. This is a safe space. I I will answer anything. I will go to depth on anything. And I want to help you through yours. Because that's what I feel really called to right now. And I don't want you to feel alone in this. Healing can be a really lonely journey. I felt really alone in mine because I didn't know how to ask for help. But I want this to be a safe space for you guys to know that it's safe to ask for help. It's safe to express, express yourself. And it is safe for you to be who you are. Be different. I've always known that I was different. I thought I was weird. We're all a little weird. Your weird is welcome here. 
I love you guys so much. I really appreciate you listening to this. And I hope that this, I hope that this made you feel more connected. I really, really do. So I'm sending you guys so much love. I am about to get on my stories and tell you guys about this podcast too, which I can't wait about. Um, and then episodes after this is going to be channeled. They're going to be educational. Ask me your questions and I will answer them in podcasts. I love you guys so much and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Secrets from the Universe. I hope today's episode has inspired you to take aligned action towards your dreams and manifest a life of abundance and joy. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and reach more amazing listeners like you. Don't forget to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all the latest from the show and join our amazing community of spiritual people. And as always, remember that the universe is supporting you and you are capable of manifesting everything you desire. Until next time, keep shining your light and living your best life.